week number six, seven, week number seven of the Tuesday morning quarterback. I'm Good here. Count. Good counting, Dougie. Uh, uh, it's not even a quarterback, it's a long snapper. Um, there's only a couple of, here that, uh, of us here this week because apparently some of the other lads think that birthdays are more important than uh, 35 listeners. Exactly. So it's just me and Martin today. How are you doing, Martin? Fresh from your latest victory with the Cats? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good, mate. Feeling uh, a little bit sore, a little bit banged up, but uh, didn't get ejected. So that was uh, always a bonus. It, it, was a, it was a bit hairy at one point. There was a, a flag thrown for a block on a, uh, a punt return, which a few people had a sharp inhale of breath, but uh, I managed to, to get away with that one. So I get to play another day. Lovely. Were there, were there many people there? Because I noticed on the uh, Cardinals website that they were charging £3 a head to get into that game. There were, actually. There's probably, because they've got um, a little stadium over there in um, in Ipswich, and I would guess there must have been 40 or 50 people in the in the stand, and then probably another sort of 10 or 15 on each sideline. So they put a little, um, little show for half-time, Um couple of uh, singers doing some old style like 1940s wartime songs i'm not quite sure what that was in aid of but they were quite good and uh passed the time at, at half time so yeah I, I thought they put on a pretty good show That's football america were there and um had a barbecue and stuff so yeah 1940s singing is better than listening to a lot of the coaches halftime team talks isn't it I think only one coach got ejected in that game from the ipswich sideline as, as far as i can uh, can remember for uh, getting a bit angry and irate with uh, with the officials, but I think he had good cause to, in fairness. But you've got to button it. But uh, yeah, he uh, only only saw one coach uh, ejected. So only one coach ejected, just like the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. So without further ado, there's no Mark, there's no Craig today, which may affect the banter, may not. Some might enjoy it just- a bit more. Or just say we've ejected the ballast, I think is what they might think, but uh, we, we shall see. Yeah, he's he's doing his bit for the Tuesday afternoon long snappers um, performance, well, substances of abuse policy. He's almost, <laughs> yeah. almost certainly going to be banned for four games when he gets back, but whatever. Um, moving on to the news then, Martin. Biggest news of the last 24 hours, the Hall of Fame game was cancelled last night. Uh, everyone's first chance to watch a bit of football this year, and they screwed it up. What an embarrassment for a multi-billion-dollar industry to have your. It's a pre-season game, so it's not like it's the opening kickoff, but it's still their showcase event. You're still there with guys getting yellow jackets and a big deal, and you've got two teams who've prepared for a game and then can't get on the field because it's marked up wrong. It's something had gone wrong with the the surfacing, and oh, you know the NFL's got massive, massive egg on its face at the moment. Uh, it's got egg on its face, but it's also still got billions and billions of dollars. So, you know, I'm sure they're not in the slightest bit bothered at all. Um, and as far as the game goes, it it would have been our first chance to see all of the second and third string players for the Packers. And uh, I don't even know who they were playing. That's how much it Colts. Matters. Oh, the Colts. Yeah, yeah the, the Packers and Colts, which I, th- I think could have been an interesting... You know, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if some people had uh, sort of tipped that as a, a potential Super Bowl sort of combo over the last couple of years. Both teams have been pretty competitive there thereabouts. But, um, yeah, not, not to be because uh, someone melted the pitch or something. Yeah, apparently the paint 
the fancy paint that they used turned to tar, which, um, I mean, if Trent Richardson was playing, it would have probably made him look a bit quicker, wouldn't it? It wouldn't have hurt, I don't think. But um, I think the NFL's had uh, a bit of a problem over the years with, with the surfaces. And it's been certainly, I mean, I'm, again, probably demonstrating my age again. I'm you know, not having a birthday, but I'm significantly older, I think, than, uh, than Craig and Mark. But there was a game back in 93 between the, um, the Bears and the Eagles. And it, it's quite an infamous one where uh, a wide receiver running down the field on the old um, veteran stadium in, uh, in Philadelphia is uh, going for a, a post and uh, received by the name Wendell Davis. And he uh, goes up to, passes um, a little bit underthrown by, uh, I believe it was a John Harbaugh playing uh, QB for the, uh, the Bears back then. And literally you see him try and stop to go back for the ball and both his knees explode. Yeah, so, I remember that quite well. And it wasn't pretty, was it? Really no. It wasn't pretty. Um, yeah, let's move on. The 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 Yeah, the Hall of Fame game. We're into pre-season now, which is great because we get to have a look at those second and third string running backs that we're probably going to be picking up in a couple of weeks' time. So that's one thing. But I think that's about the only thing we can get excited about about pre-season, would you say? It's, it, well, you also got to do your injury tracker because the reason you pick up those second and third running backs is because there, there's going to be injuries during the, the course of preseason. There's already been a couple, you know, some poor bloke, first practice, blows their knee out. It happens week in, week out. So it's actually quite important to keep tabs on the guys that do look like they might step up and do a job because, you know, you will not have a season in the NFL without significant injuries to each and every team. Uh, that that leads nicely into the next thing we're going to talk about, which is Nick Foles signing for my Chiefs. Um, any sort of relevance there, or do you think Smith's got that? Smith's got that job locked down, hasn't he? It's only in, it's injury cover more than anything. And Smith doesn't get injured. It's such a bizarre move for for Foles because he had the opportunity, by all accounts, to go to the Cowboys, where he would almost certainly have ended up playing behind a really good O line because Romo. You know, there's a what a 97% chance he's going to get injured at some point this year. So Foles would have got a chance to play. He'd have had Ezekiel Elliott behind him. He'd have had, um, you know, a decent set of receivers there. You know, Des Bryant going down the field for him. He could have actually demonstrated he's a reasonable quarterback. But he just seems to me to have hidden behind the fact that I want to go and play for the coach that drafted me. And I'm going to go and sit behind a bloke who I'm not going to dislodge and who doesn't get hurt. When when these guys, when when it does happen to them, and it normally happens to them that they, you know, these second tier guys that they they're sort of called out and they have a bad season and they move on. Do you think any of them ever get to a point where they just go, mm, I'm just going to take the money now. I don't really care. I'll hold a clipboard for ten years, make two million a year. I think I think there's something to that. I think it, it's whether or not your confidence is shot. You've gone from being the big cheese in college. You are the man. You're literally treated like a god there. All of a sudden, you come to the NFL and then you get that realisation of, shit, actually, maybe I'm not you know, a top-draw player at this position. So maybe I don't need to play and I'll just keep taking a paycheck and uh, wait out and get an extra couple of years out of my career. Uh, talking about getting a couple of extra years out of a career that should have ended a long, long time ago, Mark Sanchez has been uh, named as the co-starter, whatever that means, at quarterback for the Broncos. I mean, 
you're probably not going to touch Sanchez or Simeon or even Paxton Lynch, their first round pick. You're probably not going to go anywhere near them. How do you think that's going to affect their receivers? Because they've obviously got some decent receivers down there, haven't they? Well, yeah, they've got, you know, Emmanuel Sanders was someone I think a few people were saying is perhaps good value. Um, Thomas is another good receiver there. You know, great yards after the catch, big, powerful guy. Um, but with those QBs, particularly Sanchez, you're just thinking, well, can he put the ball down the field? Is he going to give those guys opportunities? And I think that, you know, maybe Simeon might be someone who, you know, can surprise us. I know um, Ian Fitzsimmons over on ESPN rates him very highly, but unless, you know, he demonstrates something, I, I think you've got to be very, very wary about going near anyone in that Denver offense because it will have an impact as well on the running game. Because if the QB is not getting it done, then teams will stack the box and take it away from the, um, from the running backs as well. I, I can't see any Denver players being, involved in any of my teams this year that if if you're going into a season with mark sanchez as your starter you're struggling from the get-go you, you're already behind and, and and in that division with the chiefs obviously looking good now and the raiders looking good now and the chargers who may or may not be good it depends uh, depends uh, they've lost stevie johnson as well from their receiving core so they they may struggle but there's not really any reason with the quarterbacks that are about that you'd ever touch any of these guys. So, you know. No, and I also think there's a potential knock-on. And it, it, it's it's kind of that dominoes effect that you can see in, particularly, you know, in football and in fantasy, whereby your QB is no good, which then affects your receivers and, and your running backs. But it also has an effect on your defence, because if your defence is on the field more often than it should be, and in bad field position because of picks and turnovers then that affects their stock as well. And, and it's something that means, you know, valuing the um, the Denver D, even with players like Von Miller, you know, getting sacks like they're going out of fashion, it still affects their um, overall value, you know, of everything from top to bottom, because the QB is literally that that linchpin that holds it all together. If you don't have that, it can, can damage your entire franchise. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, the, the, the Broncos were one of the big... Um one of the big hitters last year on defense and i think their stock's going to take a massive drop because of because of the the situation they've got with um sanchez um you know my feelings on defenses don't bother just pick one up and see what happens but the the field for or the pool for defenses that can be different make difference makers is is certainly diminished with uh with denver yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I had a slightly different tact. I mean, I know you, you sort of had put defences in week to week. I drafted the Denver Broncos, and I drafted them pretty early, um, probably a round or two earlier than other people were expecting that, that they may go. And they scored me big throughout the year. They got a lot of sacks, and obviously that was a, a very, very potent unit. And when you kind of look at Sanchez, you wonder, will he be significantly worse than... Manning was last year. Yeah, Manning was yeah, pretty good, terrible. Good point. Good point. Yeah, he was pretty, pretty ropey, wasn't he? And and the defense carried the offense. And I know they kind of do go hand in hand. Whereby you know you have a poor offense, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. But 
equally your defense can protect your offense by going, well, we're never going to concede more than two or three touchdowns. So offense, you don't need to do much. You just need to get on the board, you know, kick a field goal every once in a while and we'll win the game. So, you know, you do have to think, well, Denver got away with, you know, winning a Super Bowl with a very, very poor quarterback play um, last year. Fair play. Um, we'll end the news segment there, and just because I haven't used any sound effects yet. That might work. I can't hear it. <laughs> Mark, it's a bomb going off, Martin. I just wanted okay. to use that. Um, just because we hadn't used any, and I've got a soundboard, and I like to use it. Cool. There was one other bit of um, <laughs> one other bit of no news that I wanted to um, to touch on as well, which relates back so, to a chat we had uh, a couple of days ago or a couple, a couple of days ago, but uh, a couple of pods back. Um, and that is uh, something that hasn't happened. And that's um, Joey Bosa, who is the um, third overall pick for the um, San Diego Chargers, still hasn't signed a contract with the team that drafted him, which for it to go on this long is actually now starting to get a little bit unusual. Most every other player from the first round is all signed up. That that kind of is a is a given. But um, for him to hold out over, you know, just really what seems like the small print in his um, in his contract. And I, I don't know if you saw in the um, in the news, but his mum was uh, caught on. Uh, I think she'd put something on Facebook about saying they wish they pulled an Eli Manning on draft day, <laughs> which that will not go down well with the no. uh, San Diego massive. That is, you know, something that did not. The only thing you can say there is Joey must have some bunts already. He must be sitting on a fair amount of cash to be able to sit there and say, yeah, I'll, I'll sit out, don't worry about it. Well, it, it's all to do with who gets the money if anything happens to him, which is a very odd setup. He, he's going to get his rookie contract, which isn't as big as it used to be, but it's still a you know, shit ton of money. But it's more to do with, you know, like I say, the small details. and They're not going to go over the four or five years. It's about... Who gets money if anything were were to actually happen to him? And at the moment, I think it's supposed to be that if he gets hit by a train or something, a big chunk of his money goes back to the club rather than to his next of kin. Which yeah, is a very these NFL contracts they're they're weird, aren't they? They're really weird. How can that be? You know, the bloke is signed up to play for a club. He gets knocked over by a bus. And they take all their money back. It's yeah. insane. It's insanity. It, 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 it's bizarre. But it, the other thing that it also, which is why um, mum referred to Eli Manning, and, and this is the part that goes back to the previous pod when we were chatting about contracts and we were talking about the monies and everything else. But one of the biggest difference between contracts in the NFL and contracts, say, in, in the Premiership or just in football in general, is the contract actually means something. If you sign for that team, you are playing for that team almost certainly for the duration of that contract. There is no, you can't have the kind of Suarez type situation where they realise that a bigger team's coming, knocking on their door for them, and they go, well, I'm just going to throw a sulk now. I want to go transfer to Barcelona or you know Real or wherever. And you're going to let me go, even though I only signed a new contract with you six months ago. That just simply doesn't happen in the NFL. The NFL is once you've signed 
for that team, you are essentially their property. There's been occasions where players do just sit out the contracts until they're either traded or released. But yeah, they are they are under the thumb, really. They're... Oh, massively. They are, they are the property of the franchise. And a player literally has got to go, I've only got six or seven years, maybe, to make some money in this game and to sit one or two of those years out and potentially damage your reputation will another team touch you is a you know quite a you know quite a, a ballsy thing to do you had players like Ricky Williams who retired went off got stoned for a year or two and then came back um you know reinstated themselves which retiring seems to be one of the ways to to kind of get out of it which you know is uh, yeah i mean it's it's also one of the ways to go and smoke loads of weed for a couple of years and get out of it isn't it just goes to you know it's another point that to prove that american footballers just love getting baked they love it <laughs> um yeah we mentioned it earlier martin had um had a good win with the cats at the weekend against the Ipswich cardinals it's getting to the business end of the british american football season so we thought we'd uh we'd just drop in a little feature just while it's just the two of us um and and mark and craig are away so yeah, Martin had a, a big win. The other, the, the biggest result of the weekend was obviously the the Cobras, as I know them, or the Warriors, as they are now, smashing the Blitz, which is um, quite big news, isn't it? Uh, the two London teams. Well, you know, I think all they've done is established uh, the one-two in the in the country. The the only other team that that might be able to uh, to think that they can can live with the Warriors will be the the Tamworth Phoenix. Um, up in the uh, the Premiership North, um, both the Warriors and the Phoenix sit at ten and zero at the uh, top of their respective tables. Very few would uh, argue that uh, the Warriors are, are currently the the number one team in the country. Yeah, and, and the last time I I um, played for the Cats, the the Warriors were the team on the up, and that we were unfortunate. We had decent side, but we we unfortunately came into the league or that team came into the league at the same time as the Warriors were just starting out and they managed to do us in the semi-finals both both times, didn't they? And and coincidentally, the, the Phoenix did as well. They, they've sort of risen up through the ranks together, haven't they? And um, that'll be an interesting game because didn't, didn't they play... They've played before in Brit Bowls, haven't they, at um, the lower leagues? Yes, they did. That's right. It was one one of the games we went up to Doncaster to watch. Yeah, yeah. I think they might have been the Div 1 final in yeah. the one that we, we lost... Um, the Cats lost to uh, the then Cobras, now Warriors, in the semi-finals, and yeah, they got to play the Tamworth Phoenix in uh, in the final. Probably, I don't know, what they've been about two thousand nine, two thousand ten, something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, maybe a bit later than that, maybe twelve, maybe. Yeah, I mean, moving down the moving down the list, um, down the leagues, the undefeated teams. Big shout out to the Edinburgh Wolves, ten and zero. They're they were another team that sort of came into existence about the same time, didn't they? Sort of. Uh... I thought they were around a little while. I, I was going to say, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to play against the Edinburgh Wolves. Um, we got them in the first round of the playoffs when I was uh, was playing for the Cheetahs a couple of years ago. And uh, they travelled down. I mean, they had a real, real hard time of it. They uh, just made it into the, the playoffs and then had to travel to... Uh, we were playing at uh, Hatfield... So literally all the way down south, and then I think the following week they had to go to um, to the Hampshire Thrashers down to Andover, 
the following week and then beat them and then made it to, you know, to really took the hard route to the, uh, they racked up some air miles to, to get to the final that year. And they were a solid, solid outfit. Really, really great team, top to bottom. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the, the game we, we played against them. So I see the Olympians, unfortunately, Owen Tenner get uh, this season. They're, they've um, struggled. Uh, they they folded, then reformed. What's what's happened there? Any... And they've uh, seemingly uh, folded again. They um, conceded the last couple of games of the season. Um, quite where the players have gone. Well, there seems to be when... about fifty teams in London now. You've got the Blitz, the Warriors, the Olympians. And you look down the down down the list, and there's you know the Cheaters aren't based too far out of London. You've got. When... Wembley Stallions, Wembley, um, London Hornets. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of competition for players now in in London. Uh, it's just it it seems that the 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 Olympians are, have sort of suffered a bit of a bleeding yeah, of players. I, I don't I don't know. It's 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 unfortunate really because they're they're a big name in British football history, really, aren't they? Well, they're, yeah, they're, they're they're one of the biggest names in in British American football history. I think when we started out, they would have been. You know, you're talking about, you know, you go back a bit and you, you, people mention the um, the London Ravens as being one of the big teams. And the, then the London Capitals were, were another sort of dominant powerhouse. But then probably the Olympians were one of the longest standing um, dynasties, um, probably up until the point when um, it was the, the Farnham Knights kind of hit their, their peak probably in the, the mid 2000s. But um, yeah, it is. I, I do wonder with that particular the, that Olympians team that I'm pretty sure that they were another team that rose to the Premiership in pretty quick succession. And whether there's something to be said for do you establish yourself as a team on and off the field by getting promoted year after year? I mean, obviously it's, it's worked out pretty well for the Warriors. Um, but they were based on a, a youth team. You know, the, the, the reason the, the London Warriors or Cobras or whatever they want to call themselves existed was because they were an absolutely outstanding youth programme. Um, but because they didn't have their own senior team, all of their players went to either the Olympians or the Blitz. Yeah, I mean, I see the... Yeah, I, I see the, the Saxons have, have withdrawn again. They're, they're another team that's constantly in and out and... The, the league's expanded massively over the last few years and, you know, as someone on the outside looking in, it would seem that, you know, there's a number of teams who are, you know, for want of a better word, propping up leagues. They're, they're sort of looking for that win, looking for points in some cases and um, the, what the haves far outweigh the... Sorry, the have-nots far outweigh the haves in the league at the moment. It seems like there's a, it's quite bottom-heavy. Would that be right or is that too harsh a criticism? I think it's it's difficult to to really quantify in so much as you've got the likes of the Warriors who, when you look at their team, you look at the athletes they've got, you know, a lot of those guys look like professional football. You know, they're, they're professional-sized guys. They are, you know, in the gym all the time. And then within the same league, you've literally got the Sunday leaguers. You know, just guys who are armchair, kind of, oh, I like watching American football on telly, let's go give that a go. So it's, you know, teams within sort of two divisions, you've got guys who are getting scholarships to go and play in the States at college level versus guys who may never have even set foot in a gym. 
Mm. And it's and it's just that, that you know that only having the one league as such, although with a couple of divisions, and it's also something particularly with American football. You know, there's a lot of kind of fickle players and coaches, and and coaches move from team to team, and often take a group of players with them. That that can be enough. That it can you know you can go from zero to hero or the other way in the space of a season because literally one coach and six players have moved on. To give to give Baffer their due, they've got a difficult job because, you know, to sit here as someone outside again, outside looking in, the, the sensible thing to do would be to have what six regional teams. Yeah. So, so you could have six regions, like almost like the, a bit like how the Welsh Rugby Union set up, for example. So you could have regional teams which are fed by the teams in that region. So you could have a London. Southwest, East Midlands, West Midlands, North and Scotland. Yeah. Right? Then all those teams are being scouted and those teams provide players for the regions and those regions play a really high standard of competitive football that would raise the profile and, you know, bring a bit of interest and a bit of development to the game. The problem, it, it problem you've got bring... is you, you'll have coaches who go in and they'll bring their favourites in. They won't necessarily bring the best players in. Everybody that I encountered in football has their own agenda. We had it when we were like, well, it's too far to go to Cambridge now. We'll go and play for Watford. You know, I just think if you want to move the game forward, you've got to get the best players. So there's going to be some cracking players playing for like the London Hornets or... Or even like it, well, every I've, I've, I've played against the London Hornets, and I can absolute guarantee there are players on the London Hornets that would start in on any team in the UK. Right, Had, no, no doubt about it. They have got two or three absolute top draw players there. But, but even you know, I say even, but like the Lincolnshire Bombers, they'll they'll have a player or two that could step up and play that representative level. I just think if you want to move that game forward, if you want a competitive national side, that's what you should probably look to be doing to, you know, find, keep the premiership, whatever. But the regional thing, like a, a five-game tournament at the end of the season, you know, for the top, top athletes and players, I think would, would push the game forward. It also, it, it certainly, I mean, and I think it's been banded around, but but never got off the ground about having, like, like you said, you've called them you know, regional teams or whatever, but, but franchises. So there is a London franchise and the London franchise is something that, you know, you can go to try out for and, you know, whichever team you play for, you know, you're within that kind of catchment area as such. And you go, well, I want to play for, for London. And, you know, the UK is not a particularly big place. So you've got guys who are living, you know, I've known guys who are probably living on the South coast and still going up to Coventry to play. Yeah. You know, we, we knew guys who were playing for the Cornish Sharks that lived in St Albans. Yeah. You know, you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, how's that? That's just bonkers. But yeah. it's... It, it's something that I think if you, the game wants to develop, they should look at and they should enforce it. And they should say, right, we've got a representative coaching pool and they're the top coaches from the South West, like I say, London and the South East. And all those guys all get together pick a squad of 40 blokes or 50 even a 53 man roster out of the teams that they've got in their sections and those teams play off and then the great britain squad selected out of that and you know those teams play in the european competition so that 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 makes sense to me i don't know yeah certainly yeah there's too many agendas and there's too many 
too many people that will get in the way of that happening, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would be... Yeah, that that sounds like the dream. You, you've got like a Super 6 tournament or whatever you want to call it that sits above the National League and, you know, the kind of casual amateur players, you know, kind of like myself that, you know, doesn't really want to commit to um, training three, four times a week or whatever it is you need to do to play at that kind of representative level. You know, those years are, are you know, are, are well behind me. But, you know, I've seen an awful lot of young, younger players travel significant distances to go to the teams that they see the best coaches because they want to test themselves. And they go, you know what? How good could I be? And it can't be that difficult because it also seems that every other team or every other sort of country in Europe has got their system worked out. And there's, you know, you go to watch games in France or Germany, hundreds of people are turning out to watch it. And they put on a hell of a show, you know, that's, but here it's two man and it's dog, you know, that's, it's a very. Yeah. I, it's just too, people getting in the way of football. I've said that forever. That there's too many people getting in the way to make it to, for it to ever really be successful. Anyway, look, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, we'll try and get Craig and Mark in on the, on the subject. It's just breaking news, by the way. Um, the Twitter account for the Tuesday afternoon long snapper, has just had a follower request from Yuli Cox Norin. Uh, no, no, know them well. Who, who, sound, who sounds lovely. Um, just looking at the bio of this, this girl, she, she, um, her bio states that she misses the touch of a man. Write me on LinkedIn tweet. So should we accept that follow or should we move on? I think we should accept. It'd be rude not to. Okay, we'll accept that one. Uh, we're up to 40 followers, by the way, now. Um, oh. Yeah, Pretty, I, that's uh, picking up pace. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie; a lot of them are the uh, uh, are spammers. You know, they've got to make a living, and who am I to who am I to reject their their advances? But if you do well, want to follow, well, I, think, I think some people could probably call it, we do spamming, but that's uh... <laughs> that's outrageous. <laughs> um, if you do want to follow us, we are two p.m. Long Snapper at two, as in Tuesday p.m. Long Snap at Twitter. Um, I reckon there might be some kind of Facebook presence at some point if I can persuade Craig or Mark to do it. I'm not on Facebook and I've got no interest in doing that. Um, and our website is tuesdaypmlongsnapper.wordpress.com. So you can go there and I'm working on a blog at the moment, which will be up. There's a couple on there already. You can find out a little bit about me, Martin, Neil and Craig, uh, not Neil. Neil's got nothing to do with this. Me, Martin. He hasn't, he hasn't even listened to it. No, outrageous again. Um, you can find out about us and you know uh, yeah so we'll wrap it up because that's enough of us talking but Martin have you got an, any other business for today yeah and, and again this is another harks back to um, a, a couple of previous pods uh, and this is um, I want to tip my hat to the Paralympic um, Olympic Committee who have told Russia, get fucked, you cheating bastards. <laughs> We're having nothing to do with you. You know, the, the OIC can turn around and, and say, uh, OK, it's down to the individual athletes and everything else. But there was a very, very strongly worded statement that came out of the Paralympics Committee saying, no, bollocks, you lot, state-sponsored cheating, you're having nothing to do with our competition. Just because the Olympics haven't got the minerals to, to kick you out, we have. So do one Russia. 
I do tip my hat to the Paralympic Committee. Good work, people. Fair enough. I've I've worked on a couple of uh, IPC events. One in uh, Doha, one in Italy. Not recent, not too long ago. Athletics, and Russia hosed up at a lot of those events. Um, <laughs> just just in, I'll, I'll share this story. But like when when we left Grosseto to come back to the UK, we had to get uh, transport from the the, the track to the air, to the airport. And um, when we got on the the minibus, we were on there with a group of uh, Russian athletes. And one of them was uh, a, a young girl who's, who, who cleans up at 200 and 100 and long jump and basically wins everything. Um, let's just say they're not a happy bunch. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, a banter-fueled international team coach, put it that way. They looked like they were being shipped back to the lab to be inseminated with whatever juices the Russian government decided they they were going to put in them that week. Um, so it, it's not surprising. Um, I, I just think it's more a case that I, I like what the Paralympics. I think they're just shaming the Olympic Committee. Whether you do dope as a you know Paralympian any more than anyone else does, I'm, I'm sure they, there probably is benefits to taking drugs in whatever you're doing. But it's just a case that they came out and literally kicked the Olympic Committee in the spuds and said, you spineless wankers, you know, you should have done this. We're going to do it and make you look terrible in the process. So I've got a lot of time for that. Um, the only other I want to do a quick um, little... Uh, segue here is, is just following on from well, another little story you, you you reminded me tomorrow i'm getting a chance to go out for a beer with the legendary um vincent who uh, is back over from <laughs> australia vincent is um one of the the members of our fantasy league who uh, emigrated to australia about three or four years ago and is the thorn in our side when it comes to arranging draft dates because obviously their time zone is so out of kilter with ours that finding any time over here at a reasonable hour is like four o'clock in the morning over there or whatever. But um, and it, it just reminded me of the story we were saying about when we went to um, Doncaster to watch the um, Phoenix versus the, <laughs> the Warriors. I know, I know where this is going. You know where this is going. And the fact that we'd gone out on the beers in, in the lovely, lovely town of Doncaster um, and we, um, for some reason, decided to go to a strip club. And we're queued up to get into the strip club. Vince is at the front of our group. And by the time we had paid and got in, Vince had already been chucked out. <laughs> so literally, we crossed the threshold and we realised, Vince, you're outside. Oh, what are you doing out there? Oh, they're throwing me out. <laughs> Mate, you've been in there 32 seconds yeah. and you've already been chucked out. He's a, he's a sex pest. He's a sleaze-seeking missile, that man. <laughs> and only only Vince can get chucked out of a strip club in Doncaster in sub one minute. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, that, there should be, if there's Olympics for that, he'd be gold every single time. <laughs> um, my only other business is to do with garages. Um, my car broke down this week and they we took it into the garage and they said yeah we'll have a look at that so we left it and they phoned phoned back up and they said uh right well we've kind of isolated the problem we we think we know what it is um we, we're going to change this part and it's going to be 400 quid but it might be something else you're a garage your one job is to isolate my problem and tell me what it is if i was a window fitter 
and I pitched up at your house and went, yeah, I could fit those windows. I'll get them out of the van. Um, I'll put them in, but if they're the wrong size, you'll still have to pay for them. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. No, they're just usually it's just that sharp inhale of breath from a garage, and it just seems that yeah, it's just guesswork. Just like throw a dartboard, at, you know, throw a dart at the board and go, oh, it's your, you know, your old flubinox that's gone wrong, mate. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it, yeah. We, you go into a restaurant, yeah, I'd, I'd like the chicken, please. They, they come in. Well, we might cook it. We might not. You'll just have to take that chance. But, but it, uh, might be, it, might, it might. It might be. It might be pig. We, yeah, we, yeah. But pay up front. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks. Anyway, garages. Oh, hate them. Hate them. Um, right. We're gonna. We're gonna leave it there. Um, we've talked for longer than we wanted to already. I'm gonna get editing, and you'll hear this hopefully tomorrow. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, um, Martin, been a pleasure. Next week, hopefully. Craig and the boys will be back and we might have a, a guest talker which I am just about to talk to Martin about so with that in mind mate cheers we'll see you next week take it easy mate welcome to Joe Montana Sports Talk Football